Hello, and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9 a.m. or for our more traditional service at 11 a.m. We also stream full services live on our Facebook page. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So this is kind of detailed, and there's a lot of names in here to work with. So how do we make sense of it? Well, scholars tell us this came was written somewhere about between 1160 B.C. and 1100 B.C. This is during the time of the judges. It's before we see David, later King David, on the scene, and it's long before we see the birth of Jesus. And we know Ruth is one of two books in the Bible named after women. So there's something special going on here. The people who put the Hebrew Bible together and then later <coughs> our Christian Bible, they saw something special. Ruth is also one of the few women listed in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. And this is a time when women were not commonly mentioned in any gene genealogies. So the book is important. It's a big deal. It's part of the Tanakh. That's the Hebrew Bible. It's part of our Old Testament. And the key here is this is a story about sacrifice and commitment to God and commitment to others. Now the book of Ruth is short. There's only four chapters there. Each chapter builds on one another and it gives us a remarkable narrative. It's not hard to get through. Now, I want to work through all four chapters today with you. But if I did, Sarah would punish me. So you're safe. But chapter one is an amazing start because as you looked at it with me, what you see is it's an amazing understatement. 22 brief verses give us a picture of tragedy, death, heartache, commitment, and faith. So if we start off with a famine. That's upbeat, right? We start off with a famine in, in the land of Israel, and because of the famine, an Israelite man, Amalek, migrates with his wife, that's Naomi, and their two sons to a foreign land to the east called Moab. Now that's intriguing to me because the Moabites and the Israelites don't get along. They get along before you get to the story of Ruth and they don't get along after. But they emigrate there and there the two sons marry Moabite women. One is named Orpah and the other one's named Ruth. But then after the loss of the husband, we lose the two sons as well. So Naomi is left a foreigner in the land of Moab. She has no blood relatives there. All she has now are her, her, her two daughters-in-law. An old widow woman alone in a culture that is not easy on women, and especially on widowed women. So Naomi decides to go home to the land of Israel. Makes sense? But Naomi is angry, and she's bitter, and she's told this to 
her daughters-in-law, and we see it in the narrative. But Naomi is also committed to God. If you think about this, she's got an attitude, and she's bitter, and she's mad, but she doesn't curse God. She is still looking for God's call. And so she hears that there is food back in Bethlehem. And so she follows that call from God. She's all in. Naomi is all in. And this is key. But there's more to it, not just her commitment to God, but to her commitment to her daughters-in-law. Her commitment to God is unflinching, but her commitment to her daughters-in-law is paramount. And let's see about how that works out. Because in the first chapter, Naomi mentions the name of God five times. 22 verses, she mentions it five times. She prays the Lord might bless her daughters-in-law. She attributes Judah's recovery to God's blessing. But there's more. Because what fascinates me about this narrative is her relationship with the daughters-in-law. And it's easy to get by it, to just blow through it as you read. But once you start to think about it and think about the culture, Naomi is an amazing woman. Because what we see here is Naomi's selflessness and her focus on Ruth and Orpah. Because Naomi directs her daughters-in-law to return to their people, the Moabites. Naomi believes that she, Naomi, will be a hindrance to Ruth and Orpah's future life. And the best chance those two women have, the two daughters-in-law, is to return to their families. But there's even more. Because suggesting Ruth and Orpah return to their families puts Naomi at risk. Incredible risk. Because... As much as the Torah commands Israelites to take care of women and orphans and widows, Naomi knows what's going to await her in Bethlehem. It's not going to be easy. And Naomi knows that sending Ruth and Orpah away, she will be alone. But she's trying to do, Naomi's trying to do the best thing for her daughters-in-law. But that means she's going to be a widow without support. And then we get even more fascinating part of the narrative because Ruth says no. She has none of this. She's not interested. And in verse 14, Oprah kissed uh, Naomi goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Not even one more push in the narrative sends Ruth away. Ruth is stubborn. And she's not budging. She knows what she believes to be her call. She's all into this relationship. She isn't leaving. And what's even more amazing, that she doesn't move after Naomi gives her this grim description of what the future in Bethlehem looks like. Ruth stays with with Naomi in spite of what looks to be an apparent hopeless future of widowhood and childlessness. Naomi paints a really dark picture, but Ruth remains committed. Check it out. Here are the words, the amazing words of Ruth. Do not press me to leave you 
or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, even if death parts me from you. That's commitment. That's big. Ruth is committed to Naomi. She is all in. Ruth knows what's in store for her. She's leaving her homeland and is going to travel across to the west to Bethlehem, and it's a foreign land. She's a Moabite, and she knows she'll be an outsider. She'll know be, she, she will be at risk. She has no husband. She has no father-in-law. She has no land. She has no savings. She has no means of support, and here's the key. Ruth is still committed to Naomi. That is amazing. I'm not sure I would be that way. I'm, don't go there. No comments from the peanut counter. That's my wife, for those of you who don't know. Giving me trouble. You don't do this to Sarah. Ruth places her needs and her future second to Naomi's well-being. Ruth is committed to God as well. She is all in. She isn't naive. She was married to an Israelite. She's the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Now we can assume she's not a Torah scholar, but you can bet Ruth knows the tenets of the, uh, of the faith. She knows what this is about. Ruth knows the hardship she's been committing, she is committing to, but that doesn't seem to be important to Ruth. Ruth has something else going on. And what's really fascinating is if you look at he, the Hebrew uh, translation, Hebrew's the, what the language of the book of Ruth is originally written in, Hebrew has different names for God. But when Ruth speaks, she uses the word not for the generic God that a Moabite would use, she uses the personal name of God. Now, we translate it as Adonai. You may have heard Sarah use those words before, but that means my Lord. And then Ruth tells Naomi, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. Ruth invokes the personal name of God, Adonai. And it's something a devoted Jew would do, not a Moabite. So Ruth knows what's going on. Ruth is committed, and this amazing woman will not flinch. And it's amazing because she's a Moabite by birth. Man, this is about commitment. This is serious commitment. It's about sacrifice. Not just about a commitment between Ruth and Naomi, but a commitment between Naomi and God and Ruth and God. Naomi's commitment to God is part of her history. She grew up as a part of the Hebrew faith. She was born an Israelite. But Ruth's commitment is a deliberate choice. And that's pretty amazing. Ruth's faith and commitment anchor her relationship and keep her locked on the God of Israel. Ruth is committed and that kind of commitment changes history. Ruth's, Ruth's great-grandson is David. King David, we know him as, the king of the United Israel. And David is a member of the lineage of Jesus Christ. 
So that's pretty impressive. But if you read the remaining three chapters, 2, 3, and 4 of Ruth, it gets even better. They return to Bethlehem. Naomi and Ruth have nothing. So Ruth goes to work in the fields to, so they have something to eat. And we're told of Ruth's future husband, and then her marriage, and then the birth of a son named Obed, the grandfather of King David. But none of this happens without relationship, without committed relationship to each other and to God. Because there's hardship, severe hardship. Now, in many ways, Ruth and Naomi is about ordinary people. Ordinary people with great, great faith and commitment, but nonetheless ordinary people. And that's at least what, to me, makes it fascinating. Neither Ruth or Naomi come from powerful or wealthy families. They aren't named elsewhere in the Bible. There are no prophets. They're regular people. Naomi is a widow. Ruth is a widow. In fact, Ruth is a widow from an enemy nation. And yet, it's amazing when you think about it, but Ruth is still chronicled in the Old Testament. She's something special. Nothing is going in their favor in chapter 1. And yet they are both courageous and their faith doesn't waver. And yet this life of a foreign widow who has nothing becomes important enough that it's included in the Bible and recognized in the lineage of Jesus. And what's also fascinating from, to me is when you read through the book, you won't find any place where God's voice speaks. There's no rumbling of thunder. The ground doesn't shake. There's no earth-shattering miracles. There's no parting of the Red Sea. Nobody gets healed. Nobody's resurrected from the dead. These are just ordinary people in brutally challenging times. And they are lives shaped by faith in God. And a God that both Ruth and Naomi are committed to. For Ruth, relationship is key, and for us it ought to be the same, because we cannot live a Christian life without it. Our relationship with God is what keeps us grounded, what keeps us focused. It certainly is with Ruth, and it is for us, should be for us as well. She tells, Ruth tells Naomi, your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Now that's a bold statement. I'm not sure I would, uh, I would have that level of faith. But Ruth does. And for Naomi, relationship is key. And it's for the same for us. We can't live a Christian life without relationship. Naomi provides us an example of selfless sacrifice. And God gives her and us the strength to make that happen. The story takes place 3,000 years ago and still the message rings true. Relationship can be hard. It can be brutal. If you read the book of Ruth, you can see how hard it is. Ruth gave up almost everything to maintain her relationship with Naomi. Naomi had to set aside her pride and her heritage and her tradition to maintain a relationship with Ruth. Think about your life. At least in my life, in work, in school, in church, relationships are key, but they require a lot of work and sacrifice. 
It's not just because the Bible told you so or some old bald fat man stood up in front of you on Sunday and told you so. I think if you go look at your life, you'll see the same thing. Relationships are critical. The problem is when relationships are broken, things go sideways. People suffer, families are injured, organizations are damaged, communities are harmed. And here's the elephant in the room. I realize this is tough and this is complicated by the fact that there are people in our lives that have absolutely no interest in relationship. I get it. They have chosen a different path. These are people that are so destructive. There are people that are so destructive in our lives that relationship is impossible. And I have no easy answer for this. And neither does the scriptures. But what I do know is that if we work with God, there is an answer. And it's an answer on an individual basis. There's no magic formula. I know in my life, I have got to do this all the time. And frequently the answer is to reach out. Sometimes the answer is to wait, and sometimes the answer is to walk away. But no matter what, we need to seek God's will in our relationship. So what's the point? Well, first, doing the right thing isn't always easy. In fact, it often takes great sacrifice. Naomi reminds Ruth that she is free to leave and that she should return to her family. But Ruth is free to go back to the Moabite gods and free to search for a new husband. But even when Orpah turns and goes back, Ruth makes a different choice. Ruth chooses to stay with Naomi, not only showing dedication to Naomi, but showing dedication to God. These people shall be my people in Thy God, my God. This is a huge sacrifice to Ruth. She commits to Naomi, moves to Bethlehem, leaving behind family and her culture. And this has the potential to be incredibly ugly and brutal. The Israelites look down upon the Moabites. And yet Ruth, knowing this, still makes the decision to stay with Naomi. All the while knowing she's traveling to a country where she can easily become an outcast. Second, it's important to remember that even in the most difficult times in our life, there's hope. I know this might sound a little cheap, but if you look at the story, it's true. After moving to Moab with her husband and two sons, Naomi loses everything. She loses her husband, becomes a widow. Ten years later, her sons die, and she has nothing. And she's bitter, and she's angry, and I'm not sure I would be any different. But here's the point. She continues to persevere. She does not let go of her faith. She continues to seek God. Ruth loses her husband, leaves her family and her homeland as well. And like Naomi, Ruth is broken and destitute. Ruth leaves Moab with not much more than her faith in God and her commitment to her mother-in-law. But that faith is critical. When life brings 
devastation, it's easy to lose hope. And it's hard to have faith. But when things are the most difficult, that's when we need faith. That's where we need hope. And that's where we need it the most. In the moments where life feels like it's crushing you and me, we have to start with a little faith and ask for more. That's what we're told. To ask for more. Ruth and Naomi remind us that even when we can't see beyond our pain, we can have faith that the story isn't over. And third, Ruth and Naomi are not just committed. They have been changed by their faith in God. Ruth and Naomi's level of commitment show a radical transformation. Think about it. Are you, I'm not anywhere like that. Probably should be, right? I'm not. But Ruth and Naomi are radically committed. They have been transformed by God. And Ruth has opened herself up to Naomi and to God, and she commits to God. God equips her. Relationship is hard. You don't need me to tell you that. But amazing things happen when we're in relationship with God and others. Think about the beginning of the book of Ruth. It's a story about gloom and doom and reading chapter 1 alone. It's hard to envision anything good coming out of this at the end. But it does. There is a good news story in chapter 2 and especially 3 and 4, and it's all because of relationships. Life would be very different without Ruth and Naomi's relationship with God. Ruth places God's call and Naomi's needs before her own. And it's through Ruth's faith that she has the strength to leave her homeland and venture out to a place where she will be an outsider. Life would be very different without Naomi's relationship with God. Even though Ruth is a Moabite, Naomi embraces Ruth as a member of her family. And even though it could be her own death sentence, Naomi tries to send Ruth back to her own people. Because, let's face it, alone, Naomi doesn't have much except God. But Ruth stands by her. Ruth is committed. And you ask people about Ruth, the book of Ruth, and they will tell you it's a story about a mother and a daughter. It's about a family. It's about love. It's about loyalty. And that's all true, every bit of it. But when you get down to the bottom and you look at it, the basis of this is relationship. Not just in the good times, but in the incredibly bad, ugly, hard times. Now, Ruth and Naomi are amazing women. I love this book because of that, because they are tough as nails. I'm not sure, I'm pretty convinced, matter of fact, that I could never be that. I, I don't think I would. Maybe, I hope. But they place the needs and well-being of others at the forefront of their lives, and their faith gives them the strength to go forward. Ruth was willing to give up everything to be joined with Naomi and with God. Ruth is all in, and with the death of her husband's sons, Naomi is willing to give up her only living lifeline, Ruth, to safeguard her daughter-in-law and maintain her relationship with God. 
Naomi is all in because of it. Amazing things happen. The key to the story, Ruth and Naomi, is that they place themselves before God and place their needs behind the needs of others. So the question that begs is, where are you and I in the story? Because Ruth and Naomi were committed. They're all in. So the question is, are you and I in? Let it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.